0: As we begin the week here on Truth For Today, we begin by looking again to 2 Corinthians as we catch up with Pastor Phil Howard in a message called The Miracle of Ministry. From Valley Bible Church, right here in Hercules, hi there, welcome to the program. As we catch up with Pastor Phil Howard today, we continue with our series out of 2 Corinthians. We're looking at the miracle of ministry, and a really great illustration of this miracle can be found in Isaiah. That's where we catch up with Pastor Phil today, as we take a look at the commissioning of Isaiah, found here in the early chapters. It gives us a clear indication of what Paul is trying to get at here in 2 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of truth for today
1: omnipotence puts out a help wanted sign i've got a task i need to go tell israel that she's going to get blind i'm going to make her as blind as the idol she's serving i'm going to make her hear and not hear. i'm going to make her see and not comprehend and you know what isaiah i don't have anyone to deliver this message who will go for me he really said who will go for us And the cleansed prophet, overwhelmed by the majesty, simply said, I didn't feel able a few moments ago. All I could answer you is, Here am I. Do with me whatever you want. Finished his career, and they got sick of his 66 chapters of prophecy. So a mob got angry, put him in a log, and sawed him in two. Went to heaven. With his intestines cut in two. And split the tree. And one of the greatest prophets. Went to glory by way of a saw. Here am I. Send me. I think of the kid preacher. Spurgeon whom I love. He was a village preacher at 17. By the time he was 19. A historic famous pulpit. That Van Gill used to be the pastor of. Had, was huge, had a 1,000-seat auditorium. And they went out to the village to look up the kid preacher, 19 years old. Uh, Spurgeon missed out on a college education. He, uh, he went to meet the principal of a leading college when he was a boy. And the maid of the house got mixed up, put the principal at one end of the house, put Spurgeon at the other end, And so after an hour and a half, the principal said, where is he? He didn't show. So he went home. He lost his only chance to ever go to college. But when he was 50 years old, the 19-year-old boy turned 50 when they celebrated his 50th birthday at Metropolitan Tabernacle, that's now running five to 8,000 every Sunday, you've got to have a ticket to get in. They can't house everybody, so they gave you tickets. You bartered to get in. They were so crowded. Uh, at that uh, event, he at that time was the head of 65 organizations, orphanages, Bible college, planted so many churches in London. He had a penny library that was published every Monday that was telegraphed to the United States and all over London. His wife, who became an invalid after the birth of their children, sent his books all over England free to all the poor preachers of England. And he preached five times a week. He said, I get dull just preaching to the same people. So I preach all during the week to stay fresh. Someone asked him, how in the world? Have you been able to do so much work? And he simply said, you forget there's two of us working. There's two of us working. Is God doing anything through you? Do you want God to do anything through you? If you can energize a 19-year-old kid preacher and make him the greatest voice in the English-speaking world. His books today, hear this, hear this. He's still the most read preacher in history to this day. You can buy his volumes, Puritan Press, Uh, Texas is where they sell it. It's $1,000 for the set. It's bigger than the Encyclopedia Britannica that a 19-year-old boy wrote. I couldn't find enough space to house all the books, so I've got it on an electronic disc and anytime I want a spurgeon sermon I run up and get it. How is this? If you ask him, say your your IQ is off the chart, you got a photographic memory, he said, My sufficiency comes from the other person working. I'm enabled by God to do what I'm doing. I think of J. Hudson Taylor when he lived in Drainside and would deprive himself of food and give away all the money he could while he was doing medical training to get ready to go to the foreign field. And he and Moody both said, I'm going to recruit laymen. I'm sick and tired that you got to be professional, professional, professional. God's church wasn't meant to be run by professionals. It's supposed to be run by people who said, I'm not adequate, but you are. I yield myself. Every person in the building becomes a minister instead of us always looking up here to see if ministry gets done. What gets done through you? You're the body of Christ. You've been gifted. If you'd quit lying to God and saying, I'm not adequate, he already knows that. He's adequate. Yeah. He wants to channel his power like the Pacific Ocean. He wants to put through your small pipe. And he's just saying, would you please turn on the knob? I've got all the resource you'll ever need for a thousand years of living, and yet I see my people in unbelief saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. I think of, uh, listen to these promises of God. I wrote some promises. I don't have time to give them all to you, but you won't mind me quoting them, will you? Thank you, I am. Uh, li- listen to these verses. Uh, I will go in the strength of the Lord, Psalm 71, 16. I will go in the strength of... My education. Know the Lord. Isaiah 30, 15, what my wife's, one of her favorite verses. In rest and reliance is your strength. Resting in me, relying on me will be your strength. Isaiah 40, 31, if you wait on me, I'll renew your strength. He said, I'm tired, I'm weary. Have you been waiting at the feet of him who never gets tired? Zechariah 4, 6. It goes this way in the Hebrew, really. It's not by human ingenuity, and it's not by human resources, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. I'm telling you, Zechariah, what I want to get done and rebuilding this temple and encourage my people doesn't come from human resources. It comes from the spirit of the living God. The spirit of the living God wants to take cowardly men who bailed out on Christ, get them in the upper room, and infuse them with power they never experienced in their life. Uh, the The majority of them died. Martyrs' death. Believe me, they weren't cowards. There's a power source God's given his church. You know, sometimes I ask, are we a Holy Ghost church? Is the spirit of God doing the energizing? I see some people as busy as a termite and just as destructive. They do little in the power of God. They're just, they're just nervous wrecks. They got to do something, do something, do something. That's not God. Sometimes you might say, wait. Wait on me. Let me first energize you with divine power because just working off nervous energy isn't necessarily doing my work. You just need, you know, A shot of something. I don't know. Let's go on. Psalms 27.1, God is the strength of my life. Psalms 43.2, the God of my strength. 1 Chronicles 16.17, seek the Lord and his strength. Psalms 28.7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalms 29.11, the Lord will give strength to his people. And then you get a verse that goes like this. Now, I want to give you the twisted version. I can do nothing through Christ who does not help me. Well, let's switch it. I can do some things. Did I hear you say all? Do you mean it? I can do all things. To Christ who and that all now none of us has flown lately. I mean just get up and start flapping you. Don't don't try it. The all things is all things in his will. All things he wants me to do, I can do i 've been content with little or much i 've been content being poor, being persecuted, and i 've done good prospering. Paul 's saying, "You sent me an offering i 've done without the corinthians' offerings i've done i 've gone through beatings, all that, but he said, I can do anything God wants me to do, even if it 's holding onto a log in the Mediterranean for three days and three nights. I can do it if it 's the will of God years ago. When this church was first beginning, I was living with my brother David, my mother and Carol and I were together, like on a Monday, and I was always looking for church property because uh, I knew property would just go skyrocket, get, get out of control so one day i 'm going through i 'll see listings, and I call this man about a piece of property in Pinole, and i said and i 'm talking there, my mom and and uh, Carolyn are listening. And all of a sudden, the guy said, and what is that property? In those days, that's about 1973. I'm broke. David's paying the house payment. I'm living off of him. I love just mooching. And uh, there, uh, all of a sudden, the guy said, well, that, that property's 11 acres. And that's $350,000. Know, and I just said, money is no object, sir. And, and, and my, when I got off, my mother was like laying in the floor, you know. And, and Carolyn, money's no object. You're so broke, you couldn't rub two nickels together. I said, well, if it's God's will, money won't be the problem. It won't be the problem. By the way, we didn't buy it. She said, That's okay. He gave us this twice as good. Five times as good. As, I mean, we prayed for years for the property across the street. Rich Rollins and I used to walk. It's so wondered wonder we didn't get Lyme's disease. <laughs> and, and we prayed over that, prayed over it, prayed over it. You know what? I'm just as happy. If the Lord did not want us to have it, fine. If he wanted us too, we were going to build a youth center over there. David wanted to build a senior housing place. We had so many great ideas. But in the meantime... Our nerves are calm. If God wants it, he'll open it. God doesn't want you to do everything. And it's serving him. What has God gifted you to do? I, I met with Howard Hendricks one time. I, I run out of goals and all like that. And having him as a prof and the guy that everybody wanted to be with. I met with him and he said, we got to talk." in. I said, I'm needing direction. I'm needing this or that. And because on my profile test at seminary, it said I ought to be a fireman. The <laughs> other said I ought to be a preacher. And so he knew all that. So I met together with him. I said, man, uh, uh, is it hard? What, what do you want to do? What do you want to do for the Lord? I said, man, I don't mind putting up chairs. Do whatever. If it's for Jesus, that pleases me. As long as it's for him. He said, that's what's killing you. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're doing everything, and you're not focusing on the one thing God gifted you to do. You've got to build your life around your gift. A hundred men can set up chairs, but you're the only one among them that can preach. And if you men want to trade places, I'll let you on. I don't know where you'll do it, but we'll break you in. It's not easy, but I love it. God is my sufficiency, he says. He's your sufficiency. You can do everything God saved you to do. To do every good work he's already planned, but he didn't save you to do nothing. He won't energize you to do nothing. And he won't energize you to cr- criticize me. He's not going to have you at the beam of seats say, why did you like Phil Howard? No. That went your reward. He's going to say, what did you let me energize you to do? I, uh, uh, this is a very personal message for me because uh, in, I was saved and then I I went to a youth camp in 1959 in the Lions Redwoods. i never forget the speakers. One was a... A man named Luther Maddox from Texarkana, Arkansas, it was an unusual preacher. He would preach, and he'd stomp his foot and grab his ear, just like Let's see how he did. That was his point. You, you, he had, every point was an ear grabber. Do, it was, had a strange idiosyncrasy. And then they had like a little 90-pound woman named Trella Hatton. That was an incarnate tornado. And boy could she preach to young people. She was, she was a, was a tornado. She was remarkable. And and kids loved her. She preached on a Thursday night, Isaiah 6. And the clothes was simply uh, has any of you kids ever said, Here am I I, I think I wept maybe two hours, two and a half. I, I couldn't talk. I read that passage on my knees for the next three months, every day. And I'd simply say, here am I. I didn't know if that was going to involve... I didn't know anything about, really about preaching. Preaching had to be out of the question, because in my injury as a boy, that when I broke the leg here, I also broke at the hip. They, set the, they put the cast here, but not the hip. So I wore out my hip socket... And I went into a form of paralysis. Nerves were being pinched. I lost hearing in the left ear. I became a lisper. I couldn't say s's. I just I had speech impediment. I was in speech therapy, I think up through the seventh grade. I'd have to be dismissed from class and they'd have to teach me to talk. But believe me, this is not preaching material. And, uh, Held back in the third grade. Found out I couldn't hear. I wasn't passing. So I duplicated. Tenth grade was my favorite grade. I took it five years in a row. No, not really, but I did have to repeat third grade. And my brothers, they saw this. Because David babysat me my brother Paul. they, They know of all the afflictions, all the doctor appointments, crippled children fund, this, that. I mean, all these childhood things. I mean, I just... Therapy for the uh, speech. And my poor mother, seventh child, taking, uh, I mean, wow. And then I'm sitting there, here am I, is all I could say. Here am I. And the next thing, people started inviting me to youth groups, and and I couldn't preach. I'd give a testimony. I could maybe share a verse, give a devotional-like thing. And then that thing kept growing in me. And one day I told my brother Paul, I said, you know what? I think God's calling me to preach. And in his kind, encouraging words, he said, well, God's really got a big job on his hands. (laughs) And he's right back there. You could talk to him. I thought, thank you for that encouraging word, brother Paul. But I mean, come on. You got a mess on your hands. This boy can't hardly say yes. <laughs> then some way I was challenged by a youth evangelist and I, made, I got a key from a pastor. I started praying every day at their church before I, I started classes at Helms, ninth grade. And I did it through high school every day. Little Pentecostal church in San Pablo. I prayed there in the morning and I prayed there on the way home. And I, I, I don't know how to preach, but I want to learn how to pray. Henry Jowett said, He'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. If you can learn to pray, you can learn to do all the rest. Well, uh, I know this. I've been preaching for 60 years now. Whatever. 60 years. Because God loves to take inadequate people and supply the power That makes them sufficient. So they don't brag on themselves. I'm clever. I'm brilliant. I'm gifted. I, I, I. You can just say, I, I love what Paul said. I was the worst of the apostles. And he actually used the word, I was born out of due season. And the word meant an abortion. I was an aborted apostle. The word out of due season was used of the word abortion. I'm like an aborted fetus among the apostles. But I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace towards me proved not to be insufficient. I'd say, dear children of God, we've got all the power it took to hold the universe in place. And God wants to simply infuse it in you. He will energize you to be willing and doing of his good pleasure. And what songs, young people in our whole church, we grew up with simple, we sing this song, Get, get how profound musically it is. This is profound. Are you ready? I'll say yes. 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 I'll say Yes. 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 I'll say, yes, Lord. I'll say, yes, Lord. I'll say, yes, yes, yes. Quit saying no. Start saying yes. I'd write down one we used to sing. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me. I'll do anything. Have you ever said that? Do you dare risk your life? To put it in the hands of a nail-pierced Savior. Would you dare make yourself available? Let me tell you about the church. We're always looking for elders. We're always looking for deacons. We're always looking for men. Let me tell you the biggest problem. It's not just men of ability. It's men of availability. Nobody seems to be very available. That's why most churches are run by women. They're available. They're available. While the men aren't. I'm too busy making money, too busy doing this, too busy doing that. Oh, I know you're going to fall in your grave. And we hope we can put a U-Haul in there to take all the toys with you. When will you become available? I told this man right down here, he would come into our elders meetings, drenched. I remember many a night because he would ride the bus over to San Fran, get in late, barely come into the meeting. And I remember those nights when he was drenched, when we had evening meetings and one day I told him, I said, how long will P. Genie own you, Timothy? You're an intelligent, gifted man. You're a Timothy, if I've ever seen one. You get so much timidity and fear about doing, but you're a gifted man. And thank God he came and worked. He's remained an elder, gave what was left. I just say it's one thing to make a living. But the company ought not to own you. They didn't purchase you. They won't be with you in heaven. And your kids won't be impressed that you worked overtime. They'll be impressed with what you love the most. Is it the money or the Savior? Make yourself available and God will give you the ability. Father, Father, we love you. We thank you that ministry is being done through inadequate people who have found their empowerment from you, our God, our God. Thank you, Lord. You're not a gambler, so it wasn't a risk, but it seemed like you took a risk on me. I don't see what you saw to spend so much energy and time getting me to this place. You're the sufficient one. That's all I want to promote, the sufficiency of God. God. And he pours it in insufficient people, inadequate people, incompetent people in our own strength. You are our sufficiency, so our confidence is in you. We bless your wonderful name forever and ever. Amen.
0: 9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.